If you're visiting with us, we have been doing a long study, a fascinating study on the life of the Apostle Peter. Um, we had started by looking at the Gospels and the book of Acts and, and just walking with his, him in his journey from being a called disciple to one who lived with Jesus for three years and learned from Jesus and then became one of the dominant leaders in the new church in the book of Acts. Then we moved over to the book of 1 Peter, the first letter of Peter, and he was writing to Christians in northern Turkey, Christians who would soon be under suffering and, and incredible persecution. And he, he, he was talking to them about how to live in these days. Then we've moved over to 2 Peter, which is quite fascinating. As, as we have looked at, at, at Peter, picks up his pen again, and, and it seems that personally he wrote it, not with a scribe or what we'd call a secretary. He, he wrote with his own hand and, and said, there's some things I, I need to talk to you about just so you know. We looked at chapter 1, which, which talked about, again, your maturing and your walk in faith. And then he, he highlighted the incredible wonder of our scriptures, the Bible. And he talked about how, how prophets of old didn't do it out of their own imagination. They did it out of inspired, led by God's prophets and, and those anointed to, to write God's words. He did that because in the second chapter, he moves into the opposite, false prophets. Those who had been sneaking into the church to deceive and pull saints away. And now we're in the last chapter, chapter 3. And chapter 3 is an interesting one. Actually, I divided it into two parts because he kind of has two intermingled or intertwined themes. Last week, we looked at him talking about these false prophets because all, after he had introduced them, he, he explained what they were doing. They were coming into this church and they were starting to talk about Jesus' second coming. If you've read the scriptures, you know when Jesus ascended, he said, I'm going to come back. Um, in the same way that I ascended, I will descend and I will come back. And he promised in John 14 that he would come and gather us and take us to be with him for eternity. These false teachers were saying, so where is he? Nothing changed. Nothing was added. And, and so Peter comes in and, and, and starts to speak to them about their false teaching. They were trying to mislead. They were mislead. They were trying to bring doubt into people's lives. And out of that doubt, they were trying to pull them out of the faith. Peter, at the first part of this chapter, and into, well, the whole chapter, in and out, says these, these are false teachers and their, their result will be judgment. And then he ends with these words in chapter, verse 17 at the end. He says, I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard. The reality is that in, even in our churches today, there are false teachers coming. In fact, um, if, you, if you listened to a couple weeks ago as I preached on this, there are false teachers trying in every denomination in Canada, the U.S., Europe, wherever, to try to break in and start to false teach false things, things the scripture does not hold to, things that God says are wrong. And so we need to be on our guard. But, but Peter isn't finished. 
He, want, he now turns from the false teachers to you and I, believers. And he says, he says I, I need to talk to you. I want to talk to you about, about your spiritual journey and how you should be ready in these last days. Now, I don't know if you've heard the phrase last days very much. There's, there's different phrases that are used, for, for instance, Scripture. Peter actually uses two in, in this passage. He, he calls it the last days. And secondly, he calls it the day of the Lord. And, and, and what he's talking about is a period of time between when Christ lived on this earth, died, rose again, and ascended, and the end of all time, when time on this earth will end, and Jesus will come back, and judgment will come. Now, as I'll explain in just a moment, we are at the end of that point. It is, it is described in one passage as the end of the Gentiles. And, 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 and a time of judgment is coming to our world unlike something that we have ever seen before. It will be horrific. It will be horrible. It will be painful. It will be traumatic in all kinds of ways. And Jesus wants us to be prepared. And I believe he wants to take us out of that before the worst of the worst take place. Peter is looking ahead. He knows this is coming. Now let me deal with a myth that, that sometimes you will hear people talk about because some will say, well, the disciples expected Jesus Christ to come back in their lifetime. Actually, that's not true. Peter knows, it tells us in, in John chapter 20 that, that, that Jesus had said to him that he was predicting his death. And, and so Peter knew that he would, he would uh, live and die before Jesus ever returned. There are other clues in Scripture, and I could go through them all, but, but they knew that it was not time for Jesus to return. The gospel had to go out to all lands, and all people had to hear this good news. But on the other hand, Jesus wanted us to be prepared. He wanted us to live in an anticipation and an expectation of his return. Now, some of you like charts, and some of you know I kind of like charts. And so the last days are kind of laid out of you. Pull Daniel together, maybe Thessalonians and, and a couple others. You, you'll find some of the events that take place. As, as we get to the end, things start to go chaotic. Things start to go out of control. Things start to, to change. And, and the question is, are we ready? Uh, Matthew chapter 24 talks about all kinds of things starting to happen. False teachers, there, there'll be individuals who claim to be Jesus returned, who's not really Jesus returned. There, there will be a persecution of the church. And I don't know if you're watching much news, but the persecution of the church is on the rise in this last hundred years, unlike ever, ever before. There, there, are, there are wars, there are rumors of wars, there are all kinds of things, and sin has become rampant. And Peter's words for his church, for his flock, for you and I is, are you prepared? Are you living in this anticipation? Are, are you living ready for that, those last days? Now, just so you know, uh, and uh, us people who kind of like prophecy stuff kind of jump in, but, but Peter's really not talking about the rapture, which is a time that I believe uh, the Lord is going to take the church out before those final seven years. He seems to be talking about the second coming. 
when Jesus with his heavenly host and, and his church will return and it will be the end of time and a time of judgment and a time of, of, of reckoning accounts for those who have defied him for so long in so diff many different ways. And the question is, are we ready? One of my favorite preachers throughout my entire ministry has been an old pastor named Chuck Swindoll. I don't know if you know Chuck. Um, amazing preacher, a lovely Bible teacher, but also, and you, you may understand this from me, I love him because I love some of his stories. He, he tells the story of a, a friend of his named George. When, when Chuck was really young, he worked in a machine shop and, and, uh, and they would work hard all day and, um, and, and, and uh, at the end of the day they, they would kind of wash up and go home and he says I remember one specific day he says he would work with his friend of his name George and George was this older guy a married father and a godly Christian who loved the second coming of Christ, loved to talk about the return of Christ, loved to talk about Jesus and, 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 and his love and his grace and all of those kind of things. And there seemed to be a teasing kind of relationship between them. Well, it was the end of the shift. They had had a hard day. It was, it, it was greasy and hot and sweaty and dusty and all of those things. And, and so the, 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 the buzzer went off and they, they punched out and, and, and George went away to wash off his face and wash off his hands. And he, and he walked up to Chuck and Chuck says, are you ready to go home? George says, yeah, I'm ready right now. And Chuck kind of laughed at him. He says, look at yourself. He says, you got your coveralls on and they're filthy and they're dirty and they're, they're, they're stained and all those kind of things. What, what? <laughs> You're not ready to go home. And, and, and George looked at me and he says, yes, I am. And he unzipped his, his, his coveralls and, and, and threw them off and he had this bright, clean shirt on and bright, uh, clean jeans on. And he says, I am ready to go. Are you? Are you ready to go? If Jesus came today, in the twinkling of an eye, would you be ready to go? And more specifically, if you knew he was coming tomorrow or the next day, how would you prepare your life? How would you prepare yourself? Now, this chart kind of helps us because there, there seems at the last days to be signs the Bible talks about. Matthew 24 is a really fascinating passage to look at. As, as you look at this, you'll see signs and events happening in our world. And I'm quite fascinated with that. There will be all of these things coming. Are, are you seeing them happen? I came across some interesting things this week, and I, I could get into this for weeks and weeks, but, but I, I came across an interesting study, and, and the study started talking about mass shootings. Remember we talked about that several weeks ago? About these individuals who, are, for some reason, beyond what we can imagine, will walk into a school or a bar or, 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 or a mall, or, and, and they'll have guns and stuff, and they'll just start killing people for no reason. It's called mass shooters. But here's what's interesting. In 1966 to 1975, there were 12 mass shootings. 12. Now, you and I would think, well, that's a lot. But what they, the study was showing is how these have increased again and again and again. Each year, there's more and more and more mass shootings. 19, uh, 2021, there were over 600 mass shootings in, in our world. Last year, 
2022, there were almost 650 mass shootings. For some reason, violence is increasing. And our, our, our world is kind of going crazy. I was, I was listening to a, a preacher this week. He, he's, he's, a, he's a pastor, evangelistic pastor in, in Russia. And he's got, he's got a huge church, and, and, and he's been there for years, doing incredible ministry. But he started talking about the Russians when they, when they were communists. And he started talking about what they did, because the Bolsheviks, or the, the emperor and his, his, his followers, ruled for many, many, many years. And as the communists came in, he, said, he says, I, I, we have to change the mindset. We have to change how these people think. They can't be thinking like they did under the emperor. They have to be thinking like a communist. And the question was, how did they do that? And they did at least four things. Listen to these four things. First of all, they started going around. And any statue they would find that would relate back to that old empire were torn down. Secondly, they, they, they started to look around and they started to say, we're going to change words. We're going to change the vocabulary and the meaning of words. That you used to say this word and it used to mean this, we're going to change it so it means this. He said, the third thing they did, he says, is they moved into the public schools. Lennon's wife was especially passionate about this and she went into the schools and she said, if I can get the minds and hearts of those children, the next generation has changed. And the last thing they did was employ what they called thought police. That if you're not thinking right, if you're not speaking right, you get arrested. Now in Russia, when you got arrested, you also often disappeared. Some people went north to Siberia, but others just disappeared. And I was listening to this preacher thinking, is that much different than here? Our world is changing. And as I was thinking about that, I, I came across this passage. This is written by the Apostle Paul. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, he says these things. But, I, but know this, that in the last days, that's exactly what Peter's been talking about, pres, pre, uh, perilous times will come. Now that word perilous is really interesting. It's only used twice in the whole Bible. And, and, and it means terrifying or, or, or horrific or awful. Or, or, and, he, and he says, in the last days, this, now, now the other places it's used is in the Gospels in Matthew. And it, it refers to the demoniac by the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember Jesus came out, out of his boat and he went up and there's this guy in the graveyard and he could break chains. He was demonized and with a, a demon, uh, demons called legion and all of that. Well, the road, the highway would go past that town and people were terrified to go past that town because it was perilous because this man was there. Do we live in perilous days? Paul starts to list 17 things that would show you and I this idea that we're moving into perilous times. Listen to them. See how many you could check off in your mind of this is today. He says, there will be lovers of themselves, check. There will be lovers of money, check. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, the people that would mock who God is, disobedient to, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, 
without any self-control, brutal, despisers of that which is good, traitors, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And then he says this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I, I just happened to come across that passage, and I started to realize, that's today. Now, as I started to go back, I started to look at this last day's phrase, and it's just as fascinating, because it's, the, it's really referring to, when you look at the Greek, the last of the last. Otherwise, if you take this period of time between Jesus and the, it's right at the end. It's used by sailors to talk about how they will sail to the very last port. It's talked about people who will, it will be the last day of the week or the last day of the month or the last day of the year. We're right at that end. And those things are signs that we're in the last days. Now, I said this last week, but you need to be aware of it today. There will be two results of this final event as Christ returns. First of all, there will be a judgment for those who are unbelievers. Those who have not intentionally asked Jesus Christ into their heart and mind. They have not said to Jesus, I am a sinner and that sin separates me from you and therefore I need to get rid of that sin. But there's nothing I can do for that and therefore I must ask you to come and, and through your blood forgive me of my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness and I will make you both Savior and Lord of my life and I will obey you and walk with you. That's a believer. And there's those in our world who will say, I'm not doing that. And God says, this is what's going to happen. The heavens will disappear with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Peter says that in verse 10. Then he says in verse 11, everything will be destroyed. Verse 12, and the day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the, and the elements will melt into the heat. He's talking about a final destruction of all that is. All the planets, all the solar systems, all the earth, all that we own. I looked up that word destroyed. It also can be translated dissolved. And I thought to myself, isn't that fascinating? There are those in our world who are gathering and, 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 and grabbing and have tons of money. They have so much money they don't even know how to spend it. And they're trying to shape this world into something you have. And there's going to come a, mo a moment that like, like rice, it will just dissolve and be gone. Destroyed. And with them will come Judgment. That leads to a discussion of hell and the lake of fire and those things. That's that side. But the other side is those who believe. Those who have asked him into their life. And those people, the Bible says, will be caught up. They will join him and they will be with him and be with him for eternity, everlasting life. Now, Peter has been explaining this to us and talking to us. And, and with this in mind, he says these words. He says, but the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly as a thief. He says it in Thess Paul says in Thessalonians, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the life, night, night while the people are saying peace and safety, destruction will, will come on them and suddenly they will not escape. And so this judgment, this last days, this 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 time of reckoning will come suddenly and unexpectedly. 
If, if you go through the New Testament again, you'll see Jesus uses the word of talking about the days of Noah. And he talks about how people were giving in marriage and, 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 and partying and celebrating and all of these things, acting as if the world is going to go on and nothing will ever change. And, and Jesus says, and then the doors of the boat Noah's in were shut and the flood came and they were all destroyed. Paul would use the same illustration. And in 1 Peter, we found he uses the same, the days of Noah are coming on our doorstep. And then Jesus looks at, or Peter, Jesus looks at it and says, therefore keep watch, for you do not know the day and the hour. There's a picture that is used in scripture of a thief coming. That you don't know when that thief is going to break into your house. That you don't know when that person is going to come to try to rob you. They, 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 they will look for a place where you're quiet and silent and, 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 and suddenly they'll break in and absolutely unexpected. We're on that edge. And so the question I want to ask today is how do we prepare ourselves we can invite the world to repent. We can invite the world to return to Christ. We can invite the, the world to become righteous again. But you may have noticed many are not listening. So that comes back to us. This is what Peter is saying to us. He says, are you getting yourself ready? Are you getting yourself ready? I, 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 I told you a story many years ago about Dwight Eisenhower, President Dwight Eisenhower. He, uh, he was president and somehow through his various channels he heard about a young boy named Paul Haley. And Paul Haley was a little boy in Denver and he literally was dying of, of internal cancer and there was literally nothing they can do. Some reporter had asked him, he, they said, Paul, if you had one wish that you, you could have happen, if you had one wish for, for uh, yourself before you die, what, what would you like to do? Paul thought a little bit and he said, I would like to shake the hand of President Dwight Eisenhower. Well, somehow this news got back to Eisenhower. And he looked at this schedule with his people and he says, when are we going to Denver? And someone says, well, actually, we're going in several weeks. He says, I want this visit scheduled. They didn't call Paul. They didn't call his family. They just turned up. They flew in, got in their big limousines and limousines went to the house that there's. And Dwight Eisenhower got out of the limousine, walked to the front door and knocked on it. Paul's dad comes to the door. He, he hasn't shaved and it's all stubbly and you know all that kind of stuff he's wearing this dirty old ripped t-shirt he's got these baggy jeans that are ripped to the knees Dwight Eisenhower puts out his hand hi I'm Dwight Eisenhower I've come to see your brother or son Paul is he here suddenly between dad's legs this little boy climbs out and says hi Mr. President dad is speechless Paul isn't. He just gets up and he reaches out his hand. They shake hands and, and the president looks at him. He says, would you like to see inside that limousine? Yes, that would be so cool. And they go and they sit in the limousine and they talk and chat for a few minutes and it's all done. After the story happened and the president left, reporters sweeped in, as they always would, and said to 
Paul's dad, how, how did you feel? He met the president of the United States. Isn't that cool? And he says, oh, I just wish I had been ready. I just wish I had been prepared. I, I would have worn something better. I would have shaved. I would have cleaned up. And I wonder if that's like some Christians. Listen to what Peter says. He says, therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner, or some translations say kind, what manner of person ought you to be? Good question, isn't it? What, what are you to be like? Now, I want to share with you Peter's answers. He gives you four answers. I, I think they fit together really, really well. But I don't want you to miss the point. After he closes this letter, days, weeks, maybe a month or two, Peter will be arrested. His wife will be arrested. They will be dragged to the courts. Now, they're Jewish. They had no citizenship in the Rome. And, and so the Romans could do anything they wanted to them. And some magistrate decided, your master, Jesus, was crucified. We're going to crucify you. They dragged Peter's wife to the cross, a cross, and they nailed her to the cross. And Peter was forced in change to sit at, at, at her feet and watch his wife die. Can you imagine? It may have taken a day or two. And then they took Peter and they said, we're going to crucify you. And Peter says, I am not worthy. According to tra tradition, I am not worthy to die the way my... Hang, please put me upside down. And so the, they put the cross upside down and he died... A martyr. So these are his last words to you and to me. So the question is, how, how should, how, how do we ought to be? How do how we ought to live? Well, Peter gives us a couple things, but I want you to hear this. This is not a new story. This is written throughout the whole New Testament. Jesus would tell story after story, parable after parable about this exact same thing. Are you prepared? Are you ready? In your heart and in your lifestyle, are you prepared for, the, for me to come? He tells two stories. In Luke chapter 12, he tells a story of, of, of a master, a very rich, powerful master. And he had a, had a, had a slave who was in, in charge of the household. And, and he would be in charge of the fields and all of those things. And the master said, I'm going to go away and then I'm going to come back. You need to be ready and waiting to prepare to meet me. And then Jesus breaks the parable into two parts. He tells about one, one servant who's ready. And so the master comes and knocks at the door. And the, ma the servant opens the door and, and, and there's food ready. And the house is clean and the business is working and, and everything. He's lived as with anticipation that his master is coming at any moment. And then there's a second story of one who said, he's not coming back. And he starts drinking and he starts beating his servants. And then the master comes and the punishment is devastating. The second story is about a wedding. You see, in those days, what would happen is a couple would get engaged and then the, the, the groom would go away and build a room for them, often on his father's house. And he'd build it and then he would, he would come back and take her to the wedding feast and, and, and then they would stay in the house. 
sometimes they didn't know when that groom was coming. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, and, and, and all that kind of... And so there was a wedding that had been involved and prepared. And, and the bride was ready, and, and, and they had candle lighters. They had, they had a bridesmaid who had various candles and various lamps with oil in it, and, and they were waiting because if it came at night, they needed to have a procession. Well, they anticipated the groom, but he didn't turn up. And half of these people had brought extra oil just in case, and half of them didn't, and their lamps burned down to nothing. And then the groom appeared, and all of his behind him and, and, and they march down and so these bridegroom, bridesmaids jump up and are ready and, and, and half of them say are, are, we don't have any oil we, we can't, we can't. And, and, and the others say well you're going to have to go to the market and buy some you're going to have to see what it is groom came took his bride took the ones with the candles and the rest got lost and left out Jesus kept saying are you ready are you ready. Peter says this, dear friends, while you are waiting, waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found. Now watch these two things. To live peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his God's sight. Let me suggest it's two things. I want to suggest to you that if you are to be prepared to him, you have to have two focuses. First of all, to live peaceful lives. That's about relationship. That's about this kind of life, horizontal. That, that, that uh, um, y- y- you have relationships with other, And he says, I want you to live in such a way that there is peace between you and those you know. You know, we live in this world that's opposite. Have you noticed the, the spectrum that's happening? It's, it's like you, you are either on one side or on the other. If you're not for me, you're against me. And, and you will find the incredible hate that's coming between different individuals. I remember sitting in my office a while ago with an individual who had literally been cut off by her family. It, she had done something and maybe it wasn't right and maybe it wasn't wise and all of those things, but they had gotten so mad they'd cut her off, they wouldn't answer her test, they wouldn't answer her phone, they wouldn't, they, they, when she came, they wouldn't let her in. We, think, we see these happening all over the place, this division, this separation, this lack of peace and reconciliation. How about you? Are there brothers and sisters, maybe brothers and sisters in Christ, who you need to make peace with, you need to reconcile with, you may may to work through and say, how how do how do we come together so that we can be with one another again in love? Are there people that have been distanced from you for a long time? Now I, I know we're living in a world that 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 there's there's some things you need to take a stand for. You need to say this is what you believe, but the Bible says this, and I will hold to this. And they will cut you off, and they will oppose you. In fact, they'll send hate towards you. That that will happen. But as you are able, are you reconciling? Second one is to live pure and blameless lives to live holy and godly lives. That's this direction. So this direction and this direction. First of all, Peter is saying, are you living 
in closeness with God. Well, what would stop me from being in closeness with God? Sin, disobedience, neglect. Your heart would have gone astray and you no longer consider him. There's some of you, if I ask the question, how well do you know Jesus and how close are you today? You'd kind of look at me kind of blank. It's like, what? I believe you can have a personal, intimate relationship with God. I, I believe you can talk with him. I believe that he will speak to you through, sometimes through a quiet whisper like, like Elijah or sometimes through his holy word. He will speak to you and guide you and be with you day after day, moment by moment. Peter's first concern is, how are you here and how are you here? Then he turns at the next verse. Verse 18, he says this, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I paused with that and I said, so what does that mean? Well, let's grow in grace. Grace is a big word in Scripture, especially in the New Testament. That grace is, is a gift that is undeserved that has been given. So when we are given grace for salvation, we don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve forgiveness, but God loved us so much that if he offers it and we receive it, we can have it. God offers grace. And as you have received, give. Are you giving grace to others? Yeah, but you don't know my relatives. Oh, you don't know my spouse. I hear all of the, yeah, you should see my kids. Are you giving them grace? Are you, or, or, or do you hold things against? I, I watch this, this, I'll never forget you did that to me. God says, no, 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 no. Just as I have forgiven you, you forgive. Just as I have loved you, you love. Are you offering God's grace to others? You know what? People mess up. They do stupid things. They say stupid things. But God says, let's start afresh. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you grace. And we in turn do the same. Look at the last phrase. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord. Grow in our understanding of our Lord. I, I, I don't know if you know this, but it, when the Bible uses the word know, it's not intellectual. It's not academic. It's deeper. It's richer. It's closer to wisdom. Because you can have the facts. You can have the figures. You can have the information. All of that. But it has nothing to do with how you live. And wisdom takes all of that and walks out and starts to living in a way that's wise and honoring to God. First of all, do you know what God says? Do you know truth? I, I, I hope if when I retire and all of that stuff and you walk away and someone says, well, what, what was Pastor Paul like? I hope you say he loved the word of God and he taught us to love it too. Do you know the word of God? I, I can't get excited enough about it. I, it. It's interesting. We're finishing Peter today, and, and already my head is going to another book. Of the, I, for some reason, I, I haven't done a lot of study in Ezekiel, and so I've been gathering some stuff on Ezekiel. I want to just dive into Ezekiel. There's so much there. 
Are you passionate about learning God's word and his truth and applying it to your life? He has come to change us, to transform us. Part of that transformation is a life that's prepared for the moment he comes. I'm ready. I, I'm always amazed in our world how people will talk about being ready but aren't. I, I, can't, I remember a story in the 80s there was a, a, a U.S. Uh, a U.S. Uh, um, uh, military ship in the Gulf, um, and it was it was just walking around, sailing around, uh, protecting the various oil uh, barges and all of those kind of things. And it, this was a full U.S. military uh, cutter, and 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 it had all of the inf- instruments on it, the radars and all of that kind of stuff. The news came out about an Iraqi jet, an F-51, coming, and, and this, this Iraqi plane shot two missiles toward this ship. Now, this ship should have been able to handle it. It had all of the equipment to stop this. But the news tells us these two missiles slammed into the side, put a massively gaping hole in the side, and, and 37 American sailors died. Of course, there's an investigation, and the question is, how, how, do you, uh, how did this happen, and all of those questions. And, and inside that ship was a radar place. And, and at that radar station, there's a man watching 24 hours a day. And, and, and they would take different turns, but what, what would happen is, on the radar, there was two signals. One was first an audible beeping when a, when a missile got, was coming toward the, the ship. It would start beeping loud and loud and loud. And then on the screen, it would start to, to, to flash. Well, you know that beeping would go off for about anything. And so the sailors turned it off. Well, we can, we'll see it. And the sailor who was on that day said, I must have got distracted. I must have got distracted. He will come with a twinkling of an eye. Boom. I've been blinking lately to see how fast it is. Jesus said, you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. But I believe there are Christians, and maybe it's you, will live in expectation and anticipation of him, and they will be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a truth that is fabulous to end on. It looks forward to the coming of Jesus, to the, the, the beginning of eternity, to, to heaven forever and ever, and, and in Jesus' presence, and, and the angel's presence, and, and the holy city's presence, and, the, and all of those things. We are looking forward to that. But we get so easily distracted. Teach us how to focus so that our relationships with you are on track, our relationships are with one another are clean, 
that we have offered grace to others and we have a, a deep understanding of the knowledge of your truth. Thank you for each one here. And I pray that as we have visited with Peter, as we have listened to him speak, that a deep sense in us would grow so that as we walk out of here, we would say, I actually am ready and I'm looking forward to his return. I'd ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.